I'm kidding. No, ask your question. And I'm loving this. Go ahead. <laughs> Wonderful. Cool. So I, I would just like to understand how different is fluid shift to uh, shape change, or if it's just the same thing where I am right now thinking of fluid shift as localized at joint and shape changes like just, okay, cool. I've been waiting to, I've been waiting to say this for a long time. Ah, oh, wonderful. Great. I'm happy to ask. Empty your mind, become formless, shapeless, <laughs> like water. Okay, Mr. You Lee. Pour water, you pour water into the bottle, it becomes the bottle. You pour water into the teapot, it becomes the teapot. You pour water into the cup, it becomes the cup. Now water can flow and it can crash. You water, my friend. Okay, so whatever the shape is, that's what I'm, I'm pushing it in to create the shape to produce the outcome. Period. I'll let so when that you say, when you say which one is it? It's like, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not okay. an either or. It's not an either or. It's just a yes. It's like, yes, that's how it works, right? Yeah. Well, it's more a matter of like figuring out how, uh, how, where do they fit of like how macro one is and one, how micro another is. Yeah. But okay. So everywhere throughout someone in whatever action, there's a little bit of fluid shift within oh, muscle, within fascia, within oh, capsule, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and that's, oh, that will, as a, as a sum, that will create the shape change we observe. There you go. Okay, cool. See, I, you, you have to appreciate, you have to appreciate that that is shape change. Yes, indeed. Period. Indeed. Period. That's how we move. That's like. That's, it's the only way. It's the okay, only way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool, we just cool, have, cool. we have spaces where the where the fluid compartment might be larger and therefore there's a bigger shift of, of fluid in that area that produces what appears to be a larger shape change right so mm -hmm. when i bend my elbow if we're just looking inside the elbow joint between the bones okay where does the where does the water go alec uh the water goes up it goes towards the because so, so yeah, people yeah, say, yeah. like you go like this and you go what direction are you moving they go well you're moving towards you no it's moving that way yeah, yeah, yeah that's the expansion that's the direction that the elbow is actually moving that way because i'm compressing here yeah i get that you see it yeah yeah cool very enlightening thank you good morning Happy Tuesday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Digging into a very busy Tuesday. Uh, just wrapped the intensive 16 over the weekend. So that was fun. Um, great group of people had a great time. Intensive 17 prep starts today. So we're rolling right into the next one. Um, so again, very, very busy. So we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This was Christian. So Christian's working with an older population and had a question about um, how do we go about improving balance, prevent falls, etc. The number one uh, reasoning behind this is we got to restore 
power output. And so we talk about how we do that. The cool thing about this is that the principle holds regardless of what population that we're talking about in regards to power output. We just have to look at it in context and with the, within the capabilities of the individual. So if we're working on a high level athlete or whether we're working with the older population, we're gonna look at this from the same principled standpoint. We're just going to be developing this, this power output in a little bit different context and for different reasons. So Christian, um, very helpful question for a lot of students coming out of school. So if you know a student um, that is working in the extended care facilities, working with older population, or if you have older clientele within your, your fitness training facility, you're gonna find this question very useful. Again, thank you, Christian, for that. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Don't forget to include your question in the email. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, and then my original question that I had written is, uh, written is regards to just um, improving balance in the older population. Do you... Because, you know, with general school, you know, they start with a wide base of support, narrow, tandem, put them on an unstable surface, that kind of thing. Is, is that a similar strategy that you go about or do you like? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. <laughs> Why do they fall? The, I guess most of the time they're too far forward. They've lost relative motions. Okay, you, you definitely have a loss of relative motion, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the fastest way, the fastest way, okay, to protect the elderly population from falling is to increase power output. Power output, okay. Okay. Now, so now the question is, well, why is that the solution? And I'm saying, I'm not saying you don't do all other stuff. I'm just saying the fastest way. Okay. Because I can do it in, I can do it in a single session. If you, if your center of gravity falls out, out, like I'm talking about you, okay. If your center of gravity is suddenly disturbed and it falls outside of your center, uh, outside of your base of support, okay. What do you do? What is your response? Take a step. Okay. Old folks can't take a step. Okay. They're not fast enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why aren't they fast enough? They don't have enough power. Hang on, hang on. When you take, when you take your your protective step. So, so, so Manuel comes up behind you and he, he shoves you and goes, hey, Christian, how's it going? Or he's testing to see which leg that you want to put forward in your jerk. Okay, there you go. So he shoves you from behind and you take your step forward and you slam it into the ground, right? And then you, but you don't fall because you have the, the ability to produce power. Where, where do you have to produce the rate of compression and force output to allow you to unweight a foot and move it forward to protect you. Because you have to pick one leg up, which means the other leg has to push down into the ground at the same time. Okay, Where's that, where does that pressure come from? Uh, it would actually would it be posteriorly. 
Okay, so I got to be able to push up, right? I got to. So when I push a foot down into the ground, I'm pushing myself up, right? Okay, so Zhang has the answer because he knows all of the answers because he's the guy that has to run the calls when I'm not here. So say what say what you were doing with you did something with your hands that told me that you'd understand. The pelvic floor. Yeah. So the so oh. the anterior outlet has to be able to go up very quickly because I have to push down very quickly so I can unweight one foot and get it out in front of me. Got it. Got it. Okay. You ever do a get up and go test with your old folks? All the time. Why do you do that? Uh, What's it for? Yeah, for to it's to see how fast they can pressurize, get up, and go across the room. That's a power test for old folks. It's their vertical jump. Ah, uh, I see. I it's see. It's their vertical jump. That's why you do a get up and go. Right. So now you have a field test. Air quotes, Grace. Mm -hmm. You have a field test to tell you what their power output is. Right. So I do the get up and go. I put the stopwatch on them, right? Or an hourglass, depending on how old they are, right? Okay. And then, then you train the power output and then you teach them to go. So then you have them, they're, they're in front of like a two inch step and you go tap the step, tap the step, tap the step, tap the step, tap the step. So you're teaching them to push into the ground with their other foot so they can unweight the other side. But you might have to start with a box squat, back to box squats. Mm -hmm. You see it? Because you you got to train the outlet to be quick and to get them to push into the ground. That has nothing to do with increasing the width of their base of support, per se. I'm just trying to create the outlet behavior that is the limiting factor. Got it. Got it. The problem is, okay, do you, you work in the extended care facilities? Yes. Uh, so this is uh, outpatient, but I'm more neuro on the neuro okay. team. But you know what I'm talking about? Like you've been to the extended care facilities. Definitely. You got the hunched over people. They're crushed front to back. They're bent over and getting shoved into the ground. Like gravity's just killing them, right? Yes. You can't unweight their feet. So how much pressure? So now we got a narrow ISA. We got a narrow ISA with a wide with a wider pelvis than a thorax. They're, they've eccentrically oriented. All of their forces are going down. You do a 400 pound trap bar deadlift. They can't get it off the floor because their eccentrically oriented outlet is pushing them into the ground. So the old folks are getting squeezed from the top down because gravity's winning. They're hunched over. They're getting pushed in the ground. They're eccentrically oriented into the floor. Their outlets are down. They can't lift their feet up. So they shuffle their feet across the ground and they give them four extra legs on a walker so they can unweight their foot and take a step forward. You see it? It's pure physics. Yes. You got to teach them to unweight their feet. The only way to do that is to have an outlet that can go up very quickly. Okay, that makes. If you sense. got if uh, um, what I here's here's what I used to do. Um, I would do the get up and goes. I would do box squats, and then we would dance. Mm -hmm. Like with the guys, with the older guys, Tai Chi. They're not real. They're not real big on like like hugging and stuff. With the older ladies, you put on their favorite music and then you dance. And then that teaches them to shift their weight from one leg to the other. So then they start to unweight. And then you do your toe taps, right? And then you do your little baby step ups and stuff like that. And that's how you get there, okay? Excellent. I, I apologize, I gotta go. I got another call. Thank you, Bill. Uh, that was great. I see you all in a, in a couple of weeks, okay?
Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have no coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Today is Wednesday. That means that tomorrow is Thursday, which means 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Coffee and Coaches Conference call as usual. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. Join us for some outstanding Q&A. Great people, great questions, lots of good information. Please join us. 6 a.m. Thursday morning. Link will be on my professional Facebook page. Digging into today's Q&A, um, we're going to kill two birds with one stone. We had a question on IFSU that came up in regards to some queuing on the uh, Supine Cross Connect, got an email uh, kind of asking something very, very similar. We just happened to answer this question last week um, on the Coffee and Coaches Conference call. It's a re relatively short video, but you'll get a lot of information out of it. The one thing you want to understand about many exercises is there's many ways to coach them and cue them depending on the desired outcome, depending on the architect. The archetypes do not behave the same way in the same circumstance. So we need to pay attention to such things. Um, if you have any questions about that, lots of information on the YouTube channel. So please go there and uh, watch those videos as well. Uh, if you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everyone have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. Hey, good morning, Bill. Great call, morning. great call. So I, I had a quick follow-up on, I think it was Zach's question earlier when we were speaking about um, how the narrow archetype tends to go forward on the left and, and then to the right. Yes, sir and about reverse engineering it. So I was wondering if the right foot on the wall cross connect would be a good first step to bring Maybe. them, bring them uh, to the left. Um, um, yeah, bring them over to the left first. Okay. And then, and then the left foot on the wall to bring them back afterwards. Maybe. 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 Okay. So it's not that it's not that simple to go. Oh, go right foot then left foot because then everybody would go right foot and left foot and everything would be solved, right? Mm -hmm. It matters how you cue it. So the in. So hang on, hang on. We can combine Manuel's question about can you move somebody straight back and still get them in the right place? It's like yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you were forward and to the right. Mm -hmm. what would you have to capture? So you're in supine, you've got a right foot on the wall. Okay. What would you have to capture in regards to pressure on the surface to make sure that you moved from right to left? And I think Manuel knows the answer, but I'm not going to let him say it. Uh, it's too easy. Heel. Yeah, medial heel, medial heel and ball of big toe. Okay, what else? The, I'd say the, the left posterior sacrum. And there you go. Okay. So, so now let's, let's be really smart about this. So let's, let's, let's eliminate why the alternative sensations would not be helpful. Okay. So let's say you got the right foot on the wall. You want to move them from right to left. You capture your foot contacts, okay? And then you say, get heavy on your right sacral base. What happens? 
Now you're bringing them back on the right first. Oops. And then what happens with the narrow ISA that went forward on the left and then to the right? They're just reorient. They're just orienting. There you go. Yeah. Got it. And uh, another strategy for that same narrow, could it be the crossover walking to the left with resistance? Could that possibly work too? Um, uh, to move them from right to left? Yes. Yeah. Could that also be a, a possible yeah. strategy? Yeah. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. Right, that could be a good segue to kind of get into the, the components of force a little bit. Because okay. I thought I thought we, maybe we we're gonna go like this is this is medium rare and this is uh, this is medium. Is that how you do the steak thing? Right? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but now, now I'm trying to think of like the um, what will make for <laughs> a thicker or a more uh, uh, more flaky cupcake. I guess it's because I'm I'm trying to think of of like how magnitude of force. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, the components of force, which okay. I don't know yet. What are the seventh one? I need to go do my homework on that. But and how location, direction, duration, frequency, variability, and rate? Yeah, I, I, I have the rate of coding to acquire all that information. Could you? But my, could you go over that a little bit clearer for me? Which part? Like the seven ones, just so magnitude. I can. Okay, magnitude is is the the quantity per unit, right? So okay. um, that's putting more weight on the bar kind of a thing. That's increasing the force output. Okay. Okay, so magnitude. So the, 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 the you know, F equals MA. Okay, take your MA and make the F bigger. Okay. Okay. So there's two ways to make the F bigger, more mass, more acceleration. Okay, I was about to ask. Okay, so like, yeah. so like throwing a baseball is like insanely high magnitude over a brief unit of time. So again, yes. it, it looks different, but you you understand it's like that. That's a really really high force. It's just over a very short period mm -hmm. of time. Okay, and yeah. so again, that's so when we talk about like rate, so like how fast does that force ramp up? Okay, okay. right. So. And then we say, where is that force directed? Is it through a foot? Is it through a hip? Is it through an axial skeleton? How is it distributed? Is it is it distributed broadly or is it focal? So that's location. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. What direction is the force going? Is it going up from the ground up? Is it going from the top down? Is it coming from the side? Is it internal? Is it external? You see, magnitude, location, direction, duration. How long am I applying this force? So initially, when I apply a force, say connector tissues might behave in a very stiff manner, but if I keep applying that force, the connective tissue behavior may change. So I might start in a stiff representation, and then because the duration of the force application is longer, now the connective tissues start to yield. So that's a duration-related change. That's a, yeah. like stress relaxation would be a representation of connective tissue behavior that changes with time. Mm -hmm. Cool. Frequency, like how many times is the, is the force applied per unit of time? Okay. 
Is it a regular interval? Is it once every second? Or is it a random application of over time? Because tissues will behave, as soon as I apply the force, the tissue behaves. If I release the force, the tissues will move back towards where they started. But how far into where they started does that tissue behave before I hit it again? Okay, so that's variability. Okay, and then we always talk about rate because it's an easy one to see, right? If I apply a force very, very quickly, the tissues might behave more stiff. If I apply it very slowly, they, they yield more effectively, right? Yeah. So, so each one of those elements has an influence. They are all always Happening there. at the same time. They are yeah. all always there. It's just to what degree one might be represented more than the other or my intention. Yes. Yes. Right. So, so again, it's like performance. Performance has a, has a high level of variability in it, right? And then what I try to do in the training environment is I try to control for those elements, right? So I may, I may emphasize one over the other, but they're all still there. All right, cool. Okay. And, and knowing that like connective tissue, um, connective tissue tuning is kind of like the immediate conditioning that you, you do conditioning, not in the sense cardiovascular, but in the Pavlovian sense kind of thing, okay. where you, you kind of like, you're, give me that reaction thing. And then over time, I guess it's just, on a more broad level, you just, you train them into physically becoming adapted to what you asked of them repeatedly. Right. right, so connective tissues are dumb. Yeah. Right, not much of a brain. So they are, they, but, but they behave based on the physical principles of their structure. Okay. They are adaptable to a degree. And therefore that's what we do with training is we, is we sort of expand or we narrow their, their capability of responding in certain situations. So if you were training a high jumper who jumped off his left foot, yeah, he would have to do thousands of left foot jumps. Yeah. And so those connective tissues on one side of his body will behave differently than the connective tissues on the other side of his body because they have to. Yeah. Right. And so that adaptation would, would occur over time. And so you're training those tissues on one side of the body to behave very, very specifically at the right time, under the right circumstances, with the appropriate direction, variability, et cetera, right? It's a little bit more predictable, which is nice, right? It's not like training a, like a field athlete that, that is in an emergent you know, environment, right? Yeah. It, like high jump's pretty predictable. You kind of know where the bar is gonna be. <laughs> You know, yeah, you kind of know, know where the ground's going to be. You kind of know where you're going to hit the ground before you before you take off. Whereas if you're playing soccer, yeah, or sorry for those of you in Europe, football, um, football, they say football, they say it right, football. Um, you're doing that. That's a much less predictable Indeed. environment. It has some fixed elements of it. So you, you do have a field and, and there are orientations between players, but it's a much more emergent kind of a situation where um, it, because it's less predictable, I have to train them for that. They have to yeah. be adaptable enough to absorb like the perturbations that they, that they absorb. Like I said, it would be like, um, take your high jumper example 
and then put a defender right in front of the, the high jump pit, right? And it's like, okay, you got to get around me first and then you get to high jump, right? Which is unrealistic, of course, but that, yeah. would, be, that, would, like, that would be the difference, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so again, you have to think about how, how the forces are applied. If, if I'm in an unpredictable atmosphere, I have to train my sport, right? In that unpredictable environment. Okay, cool. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. Okay. Man, we got a busy Friday coming up, so we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Ian. Uh, we were on the uh, Coffee and Coaches Conference call yesterday, and Ian was talking about the uh, mobilization for the middle propulsive foot. So oftentimes you'll, you'll find that maybe you're not capturing foot cues effectively, therefore you're not going to be able to superimpose the internal rotation on top of external rotation as you would in an exercise, so you gotta give them a little bit of help. And so this is where the manual therapies come in. And so we did a demonstration on the, the foot model as to how you're going to position the hand, how you're going to manipulate the foot to get this middle propulsive representation and propagate internal rotation up the system. And so we went through that, so you get a nice little demo. However, I would also refer you to the YouTube video. Um, in fact, after you watch this video, go straight to YouTube and watch the entire uh, mobilization of the foot and then the manipulation as it propagates up the system. So you actually see how we actually get a return of internal rotation all the way up into the hip joint. So thank you, Ian, for this. I'm gonna help a lot of people with that. If you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. Uh, podcast will be up on Sunday and I will see you next week. I, I was thinking about the, the manual mobilization to when I try to, to send a wave manually by, by maybe getting a calcaneus into, let's say I wanna, I wanna create mid, mid representation and give superimposed IR on top of ER. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do the, yep. the, the wave with the foot. Yep. Uh, so am I, am I looking to, because if it's, if it's mid, I want to have the foot directly below the, the pelvis and with a, with slight knee bend, or is that, is that just for me to decide where I want to. You mean, as you do the, as you as do I, the manipulation. As I do the manipulation, yeah. If you if you don't have knee bent, you're not going to get you, like the you you can't propagate the. All right. The, the right. waveform, right? Okay. Right. It would stop. Yeah. One yeah. one second. Very important. Um. So so think about this, okay? That's one of the reasons why some people get knee pain. because they have a twist at the knee that stops it at the knee. All right. Yeah, if I, with, with people I wanna do this manipulation and they get a medial knee pain, that's- That's, that's probably a bad thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it, it's a tell, it's a, I mean, it's a test, right? I mean, your, yeah. your treatment becomes the test. Um, as, you're, as you're performing this, okay, um, 
you, you've got the foot oriented into the middle propulsive representation, right? Yeah. And then you're kind of moving them around a little bit because you want, right. them to let, you want them to let go and relax anyway. Yeah. Right. And so you've yeah. got to feel like, like before you do it, you're going to make some small oscillations to make sure that they're relaxed. And as you do that, you'll be able to tell if the knee is free to move. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because again, if you, if you had a screw homed knee, yeah. And you try to do that manipulation, you'll you'll reproduce the pain. All right. Yeah. Because that's what they're doing when they reproduce their pain in, in many cases anyway. Right. All right. All right. And I would I would be going after like the the basically E version of the of the calcaneus. And I wanna I wanna twist the, the midfoot in the opposite direction. Would that be would that be right if I evert calcaneus i have to invert the the forefoot and other way yeah all right all right plus i can drive some ir to that's what this is for all right so my, see where my thumb is? Yeah, yeah. Thumb is there. So that's gonna push the talus towards IR. Uh, you see it? So right. I grab the calcaneus, I twist it this way. I'm pushing with my thumb, you see it? So I create, the, I create a middle P representation with one hand. All right, okay. and then the other and hand. I back, it up, I back it up here, so I have leverage so I can get the mid tarsal and the first, uh, the first metatarsal into the right position as well. All right. See it? All right. Yeah. And